Fahrenheit, and with what's going on in the uh, on the East Coast right now, the wind chills are. There's frostbite warnings in Toronto. It was minus 30 Celsius in Montreal last night. So glad to be uh, in Florida for the All Star Weekend, and happy that, that you've uh, tagged along. I know you've been in Florida for probably too long for your liking, <laughs> but we got a few more days. Yes, it should be I, a lot of fun. Yeah, I've been in Florida now for about 10 days. Caught the Kings playing in uh, Miami or whatever. I guess technically it's sunrise. I don't know, yeah. Dennis. This this is very all confusing here in South Florida. We're not in Miami, but we are in Miami. We're in Fort Lauderdale, but the game is thirty minutes away. It's it's not the way that we do things in L.A., right? So it'd be like having the All Star game in downtown L.A. and everybody was staying in I don't know Long Beach. Like it just it just doesn't uh, it doesn't resonate with me. Yeah, it, it's it's spread out here, and the arena is the it's in Sunrise. You're right. It's in I guess Eastern Broward County, so it's it's not Miami for sure. All I know about Broward County is that that's, I think that's what all those uh, old uh, cops TV shows were filmed uh, back on Fox TV back in the day. Weren't they all in that Broward County? Wasn't that where yes. they were? They love the police yeah. here. And if you, if you try to get to the events yesterday when they had 25 police cars on A1A, which is the beach road, and they closed off one lane, it was literally, we did a Connor McDavid event yesterday. Um, and uh, it took 25 minutes to get, it, so I was back in LA because it took 25 minutes to go one mile. Yes, it was great. Uh, the Connor McDavid event was was fantastic. So yep. great job to the fourth Thanks period for, for uh, yeah. helping. And is that, is it an official co promotion of that with CCM? Would that be the right way to describe it? It's a, it, no, it was well. Connor did a five year extension with CCM, and we just helped out um, Dale Williams, who used to work for a company that we work with, uh, R W and Company in Clothier. He's now director of marketing for CCM, so he he asked for some assistance and in getting media like you guys uh, coming over. So it was really nice. Connor and Jen Botterell talked for about 15 minutes and then it was open bar and open food. And it was that. So, yeah, so we, we unofficially were, were a partner on that. So just helping out our friend Dale. Yeah. Well, Dale's a great guy. I enjoyed meeting him last night. Yeah, uh, he's, he's very funny. Um, he threatened to throw uh, Nick Alberga over the railing within the first minute of us uh, being at the hospitality suite. So that was, I instantly bonded with him over that. That was fantastic. <laughs> uh, it was probably a minute was too long. I mean, 30 seconds in would have been, would have been good enough, but anyway, Hey, um, it was, it was good times, but I do, I didn't plan on talking about this, Dennis, but I do have to mention, Yeah. An, I don't know the guy's official name. Um, he was a very funny gentleman. He was a former, 
I don't think he was the equipment manager, but he was somehow yeah. he, he was in that circle of equipment managers in Montreal from around yep. 91 to 01, something like that. They call mm-hmm. him the wolf. Uh, he, he wanted yep. to make sure that I knew that that's like a reference to Pulp Fiction. Um, man, I could have stayed and talked to this guy all you night, though, have. because he had some fantastic stories. Uh, he was talking about Vinny Dampus and of course, Dampus, and of course, Dave Pagnota, you know, keyed in and then wanted to to get in on that conversation. We talked a lot about the 93 finals. Um, Craig Muni, we talked yes, about Thomas Sandstrom. Of yeah, we talked about uh, Patrick Waugh. I mean, it was, of course. The, the stories were great. He talked about skates and he talked about all these different gloves. Uh, you know, I love those yeah, behind the scenes stories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was a good cat. That, and that's the great thing about this weekend, John. You know, set aside the, the game and the events and all this other stuff. You know, it's about relationships with people. You meet people, you get to talk to them. Hockey people are amazing. So that's what, that's what this for us, and I'm sure for you as well, it's less about that, more about relationships, building people, seeing people. And, and it's great to see everything back to normal as well. Well, and he also, uh, he talked a few stories about your buddy, Knuckles Nyland as well. So yeah. uh, brought you into the conversation. So yeah, anyway, uh, welcome to Kings of the Podcast, episode 148. We're doing a remote. Now, Dennis, the last time we did a remote, we were in uh, LA Live coming up before yes. the LA Kings took on the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs last year. That playoff series was a great series, but it didn't turn out the way that we wanted. I think this is going to be an easier remote because, quite honestly, I don't think we. Well, I don't care how the All Star Game plays out. Do you have? Uh, do you have a dog in this fight? Do you care who wins the All Star Game? When is it? I don't know. Is it tomorrow? Or Sunday? <laughs> yes, that's what sure. I. That's what I thought. Exactly. I know. I know. Um, I know. I've been searching far and wide this morning trying to get an answer of why Kevin Fiala is not in the skills competition. Nobody's talking. Nobody seems to know. Seems to know what's going on. Um, so that's a little bit of a bummer. There are, is it? I think there are eight different. I could be wrong. I think there are eight different skills that will be contested tonight. Uh, Fiala's in town. He's done PR. Yep. He's done media, but he's not in the skills competition, Dennis. It's crazy. Right? That guy should be in the skills competition. But maybe, you know, Kevin Fiala, look, he's had a great season, not a big name. So I guess maybe bigger names or whatever. Or he's maybe he's resting up for the actual game, John, because he wants to win the prize money. Could be. On, on, you know, Could be. Saturday. There you go. Maybe he'll have a hat trick in the game tomorrow night. But the only skills competition they should have had, it would need to be with, with Fiala, would be like a language competition. You know, he speaks five <laughs> languages. So yeah. they could just like throw questions at him and some of the other players in different languages. And um, I'm sure Fiala would have come out on top. Yeah, you know, it's funny about Fiala. I got to the availability late, and Kevin was already on one of the podiums. And he, he was to the point of his interviews where he was doing answers in German. So the audio yes, that we could so, have got for Kings of the Podcast really would have yeah. translated well. So that's when you're a polyglot, and that's when pe- someone that speaks a lot of languages. And I think Kevin speaks five, but I think his native tongue is Germany. It's German, so it was the interesting thing. But he's he's having a good time. He went over to Sirius XM, talked with Steve Coolius and, and Gord Stellick. So uh, I'm sure he's enjoying the ride. And for those that don't understand the reference that Dennis was making there, when you're talking with a professional athlete, they talk in, call it the English language. I was going to say local language, but it would be they talk in English first. And once yeah. they start on the other languages, they are no longer answering questions in English. Correct. So That's for it. Fiala, he has to move through English, and then he takes questions in Swiss, and then he takes questions in German. And right. yeah, by the time they get to Australian or something, I don't know what the other <laughs> language would be. Uh, it's time to move on, right? So yeah. I had Australia on the mind, uh, I guess, because of Jordan Spence uh, in our right. uh, our last podcast. Plus, there's been a lot of rumblings here, uh, DB. That news that Dave Panyota has been talking about uh, some NHL preseason games in Australia. Yep. That's been a hot topic here over the last 24 hours. It looks like the league is inching closer to making that a reality. 
Yeah, yeah, they're trying to expand the game. I think it would be preseason games, obviously, but it would be uh, great to go down under and um, excited to when they announce it because, you know, we do the global series and stuff like that. Australia's a long ride, I get it, but uh, and for a preseason game, but I've never been. So if it does come to fruition, um, we're going to think long and hard about going down. I love the uh, lack of commitment there, Dennis. We're going to think about it long and hard. But, yeah, that's a that's a hell of a plane ride just for – even if it was uh, just two preseason games. Yeah. Well, you know, but they're, they're, they'd get there early and there'd be other events to promote the NHL and stuff like that. So we'd certainly do it. And we do it for global. And, you know, it's not a it's not a three-hour flight to Stockholm or Helsinki either. So uh, to the other side of the globe will be interesting as well because I've never been. So, be you know, it's an amazing country. So, uh, you know, it's in the mix. It makes a lot of sense, Dennis. We can't get you to get 45 minutes down the 10 freeway yeah, to Ontario. Yeah, no, that's but different. You'll, you'll, but, you'll, yeah, but you'll happily jump on a bird. Well, there's no business hours. class in a car, Mayor. You know, on, the, on the plane, it's business we'll class. Get you, well, hold flat. on. We'll just get you Uber Black. Uber Black from the Valley to Ontario. Yeah, and that's almost as expensive as the flight to Australia. So I'd rather go to Australia. <laughs> hey, by the way, have you noticed at all that the Ubers are cheaper here than they are back home? Yeah, they're cheaper everywhere than back home. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Dallas here yeah. everywhere except LA. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, I don't remember what the Uber prices were in Edmonton. Uh, they we're going to move yeah. on. Yeah. Exactly. That was uh, once I once I found those scooters, I was done with the Ubers anyway. Uh, <laughs> those were a lot more fun. Those were a lot of fun. I love those. Hey, we have a lot to cover on today's program. Let's quickly recap um, a couple of recent Kings games. I'll tell you some funny stories, but also um, I think we have some updates as well on some of the injured players. Great. And then we have a lot of readers slash followers on social media that have been proposing some some trade suggestions to the LA Kings, Dennis, and I want to get your feedback. I'm sure you've been noodling on all of these trade uh, possibilities. And, and Mayor, um, have you mentioned, have you, any of your responses been Xbox? Not yet. Um, Not yet. Okay. I, I've, I, I think I always wait pop. for that mayor when you say <laughs> Xbox and then that means no, never, never well, happened. Thank you for contributing. The other day I said uh, to somebody, I don't even know where you guys come up with these uh, things. And then, you know, people were like, well, can't you just say that that's not a plausible trade? I'm like, I mean, I, yeah, I guess I can, but can you also come up with something that's more plausible for me to right. react to? Reasonable. So, right, exactly. Yeah. All right, so let's go through the road trip here real quick. Uh, and so the Kings finished out their road trip, six games on the road trip. Uh, they picked up how many wins, Dennis? I believe it was four wins. Three wins, right? three, two, and one. A oh, three, two, and one. Oh, that's right. right. Okay, so three Should wins. Should have been I'm a fourth, but, you know, yes. Carolina happened. I, Points in four games, yes, but they only won three games. games. Correct. Okay. Um, so I did not I, – I stayed in Florida, so I didn't make the loop up to Carolina. Carolina. But the, uh, the second half of the road trip began he, right here in Florida, in Miami yep. slash Sunrise slash Fort Lauderdale slash whatever this is. Um, <laughs> dude, that building is massive. I think it holds like 23,000 or something. It is, it mm -hmm. is a massively huge building. Yep. Um, so that was my first – First observation, and I don't know if you saw my tweet or not. They have an outback steakhouse. Yes, in I saw that. The arena. <laughs> so I don't I mean. I was going to wait till I get back. We need to get a hold of Kelly Cheeseman. I know they're doing a remodel there at Staples, but enough with the you hot want dogs. Outback? Well, I mean, an outback, Dennis. I mean, we're not talking like an Applebee's. Like we're talking right. about an outback. That's that's a hell of an upgrade <laughs> for most of the arena food that you get at, at the arenas across North America, wouldn't you say? So you think outback's better than Salt and Char? Salt and Char is pretty good. 
Salton, here's the problem with arena food, though, Dennis, is that you yeah. and I go to so many games that after a while you get burnt out on it. So oh, yeah, 100%. I, I like salt and char. The food's good. I like the chocolate yeah. shake. I like the fries. I like the burger. But like how many times can I eat salt and char? I need variety. I need a couple other places. For sure. I was I was on the Wahoo's Tacos thing for a while. They have a really mm-hmm. good chicken bowl with the rice and stuff yep. there. And then, you know, now I'm looking for something new. Dodo Bird's pretty good. Uh, you have the turkey sandwich, which used to be the whistle stop, but yep. I don't know, man. They put an Outback Steakhouse in there. I think you and I are going to be splitting a Bloomin' Onion pretty soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely Bloomin' Onion. Let's go. That's the top of the food chain right there. <laughs> so that game, um, what a game that game. I know it yep. seems like forever ago, at least it does to me, but what a game. The Kings PK was on point that night. A yep. couple of shorthanded goals in that game. The Kings got out to an early lead, and that seemed to give them some confidence. Uh, Florida made a late push in that game got a little bit scary uh, in the last yep. couple of minutes there with that final push but overall it was a pretty solid road game for the kings not only did they get up early but that pk was probably the most impressive thing if memory serves me correctly did they go 505 or 606 yep. that night yeah i don't know which one it was but it was perfect it was 100 percent. which is which and it's getting better you look over the last 10 games it's not it's not the horror story that was in the first 40 games well, and remember back when, when Rob Blake made the changes and sent Cal Peterson down to the American League, and when he addressed the media, one of the things that both Todd and Rob wanted to talk about was, if you had to put a headline on the first part of the season, it was that the penalty kill was what you said. It was horrendous. And that's the thing that they wanted to improve. And it's since been, what, seven weeks, maybe eight weeks uh, mm-hmm. since then. And the penalty kill has certainly been much improved. It's gotten better. Yep. Yeah, since then. Um, can we fa- Anything else from the Florida game you want to talk about? No. Or can we get to Tampa? Let's get to Tampa. So- so as I was leaving uh, this area, Miami, I call it, to, uh, to go to Tampa, our friend Spike Kaufman shoots me a text and says, hey, just to give you a heads up, there's a big pirate thing going on in Tampa. Yeah. Um, roads are going to be closed. You want to make sure to get to the arena early, that sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, like we live in L.A., Dennis. I feel like every week we get an update from crypto. That, you know, there's a, a Amgen yeah, bike sure. race. Yeah. There's this is going on. That There's right. always a parking reason going on in downtown L.A. Right. So I wasn't. I wasn't rattled by yeah, this information, like, okay. right? Right. So I get into Tampa, you know, uh, and I go to the, down to the arena. I'm going to try to get there like an hour before the game, which is shocking news for those that know me anyway. I'm actually yes. going to be early. I'm going to be there in time for warmups. But, you know, I, I haven't been to Tampa in a number of years. I'm going to take in the local flavor and whatnot. Um, Dennis, when I say that this city was taken over by pirates, yeah. I, I cannot state this to you enough. Everywhere that you turn, everywhere that you look, it's people of all ages dressed yes. like pirates Yes, everywhere. So then what I end up finding out, and you may already know this, there's this thing called the Gasparilla, Gasparilla. Fest, which I guess oh, yeah. is sort of like, or Gasparilla, whatever. Yep. It's sort of like a, a, a Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras, it goes exactly. on. It goes on for eight weeks. It goes on from now until uh, St. Patrick's Day. Yep. They do a four and a half mile parade. Mm-hmm. Over 300,000 people descended yep. upon where the arena was. So try to put that in perspective. The Coliseum holds 100,000 people, mm-hmm. and they freak out when there's a football game going on there and there's a hockey game going on, which is about, what, I don't know, two miles away? Uh, yeah, well, it depends where you stay. I stay at the Marriott, which you could walk to the arena, uh, which is no, close. From, no, 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 I'm saying from, from, oh, from the parade. From, from oh, crypto, no, from crypto to the Coliseum is how Oh, yeah, a couple of miles. A couple like miles, Three, right? four miles, right, okay. Okay, so if 100,000 people are going to the Coliseum and that's enough to cause panic in, in, you know, around the arena. Right. There were 300, over 300,000, so three coliseums full of people that descended upon this little patch of beach area right next to the arena. Arena. So you can imagine the chaos that's going on there. 
Yep. Yeah. Channel side. Thank you very much. Uh, so this four and a half mile parade, everybody's there. They're doing the beads. They're doing, I mean, they're all wasted. Yeah. Everyone's yeah, drunk in the middle of the afternoon, totally. dressed yeah. like pirates. It's, it's exactly. sensory overload is what I'm trying to tell you, Dennis. But here's the good part. I have to hand it to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They embraced the entire thing. They had some special oh, yeah. Gasparilla-themed, right. pirate-themed Yeah, they, uh, those were great warm-up jerseys. They were amazing. I know those they, they were mayor-approved. Well, here's the thing. They wore white ones on the ice that night, but I, yep. I tweeted or Instagrammed out the guy that was in the black one, which maybe mm-hmm. that was from last year or something. I don't know. Maybe. That yep. was a sharp-looking jersey. They should yep. go to that full-time, if you ask me. That yep. was a fantastic-looking jersey. And the people in Tampa were absolutely wonderful. And I'm yep. not just talking about the Pirates, but everybody yep. I met in Tampa was outstanding, really yep. enjoyed my time there, uh, much more so than the last time I was in Tampa. You know, it's all about the people that you meet. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that game was... Yep. That game was not as exciting uh, as, as the, game, the game before, uh, which is a bummer. Uh, but Tampa, I think that was, what, their 12th win in a row on home ice? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And John Cooper said it in the postgame presser after that he was worried about a, a, a letdown because they had just beaten Boston. Boston. Which was a big yeah. emotional win a couple of days before that. Uh, how about this one, though? I'll give you a quick Daryl Evans story. Please. So we're, we're up in the press box between, you know, uh, there's no elevators to go stand by and sign autographs. And no, that elevator is the worst elevator in the league, John. <laughs> there's one elevator, and it also has garbage on there that people yes. – it's just – it's nine floors, and yes. it's, it's, it stops at every floor. It's yes. just it's, – it's when you cover the cup final, it's the worst elevator in the league without question. Yeah, so, yeah, so I please. wasn't taking the freight elevator down to the lobby yeah, um, right. to go – you know, no, to go hang mingle. out and stuff. No. Yeah. So I hung out in the press box um, during intermission and there's this, uh, everyone's getting water and snacks and everything. And the water cooler this ran out of water. Of and so this period. guy in a very brightly colored uh, uh, suit mm-hmm. just walks over and grabs a jug of water and starts, you know, taking the cap yep. off cap and, and yep. switching the jugs out. And people were kind of standing around like, who is this guy? He doesn't look like the normal water changing, you know, guy. And then he turns around and of course it's Daryl Evans and he's just, he's just getting stuff done. I mean, Daryl, he does it all. It doesn't matter what it is. He does everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's part of his exercise routine as well. Oh, I can lift a, you know, five gallon jug of water here or whatever it is. 10 gallon. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Let me get, let me get a couple of reps in between periods. So that's Daryl for sure. Yeah. Thankfully he he wasn't doing sprints up and down the press box. (laughs) With it on his Uh, back. Yeah, that wouldn't have surprised me one bit. Right. Uh, Dennis, any um, as we get into the break here for the second period, we have a lot to cover. <clears throat> Let's talk about some Kings prospects. Uh, we can talk about Jordan Spence. We can talk about Brant Clark. He's lighting up the Ontario Hockey League. Yep, sure uh, we can talk about Toby Bjornfoot. We can talk about – we have some updates on these injured players. We can also talk some crazy uh, trade uh, deadline talk. And how about the Colorado Avalanche and their um, – I'll just say their – their ticket prices for the upcoming playoffs. I think that's something that you and I should discuss. Why don't we do that right after the break? Sounds great, Jay. Here we go. It all ends the same. Your savage heart. The stolen money. In a wilderness love. You're so hard to tame In the tides of this world You're a victim of fate Give me my sin And I will find you 
podcast, Dennis Bernstein, John Hovind. We are coming to you live from somewhere in Florida, wherever this is. I think it's Fort Lauderdale. I don't really know. Allegedly, we're in Miami. Um, but anyway, uh, Dennis, we have some breaking news here coming coming in. Uh, Jonathan Quick has sent his first tweet. Are you ready for this? Oh, yes. Since, since 2016. You heard me correctly. His first tweet since 2016. Uh, Jay Quick, of course, is not here in Florida this weekend, but... He sent a shout out to Universal Studios with the picture. I'm assuming those are his kids. Thanks, Universal Studios, for inviting us to check out the new Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios Hollywood. And so good on Jay Quick for sending out his first tweet since 2016. Um, that was like four coaches ago, Dennis. <laughs> and I'm sure if you asked him in the locker room about that tweet, he nah, nah, I don't want to talk about that. I would I would venture to guess you're right about that, but yeah. um, I, I pose that challenge to you. Can you please ask Quickie about that the next time that we see him? Sure, absolutely. Like what? What? Like how much did you get paid for that tweet? No, just kidding. <laughs> well, he didn't get paid, but they gave him. I'm sure they, they gave yeah. him and the fam uh, free in kinds, so, right? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So um, it was, emotional it was considerations. Pretty, there you go. It was a nice tweet. It was a it was a good picture. Very colorful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also need to track down uh, Michael Russo who used mm-hmm. to, or still does, I should say, cover the Minnesota Wild. I don't know what's going on, Dennis, but his Twitter feed is a nonstop love fest for Kevin Fiala. So <laughs> I guess if, you know, maybe the Kings ever traded, uh, you know, someone like uh, Dustin Brown or Andre Kopitar, mm-hmm. uh, maybe maybe our Twitter feeds would turn into something like that. But yes. if you want to know where Fiala is at any given moment here in Florida, just <laughs> follow Russo because he seems to know everything that he's doing this weekend. <laughs> That's great. Uh, are you following the mascot uh, thing? Whatever's going on with the mascots, are you following that here? In no, 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 you, you, no. Can you get me up to speed on that? No, I can't. I don't know. Okay. I just uh, back to Spike, who I name dropped in the first one. He had texted me the other day and saying that one of his favorite things about the All Star Game was the nutty stuff that they get the mascots uh, mm-hmm. involved in. And I don't know. He sent me a tweet, uh, or maybe it wasn't him. Maybe he was just sending me the tweet that said one of the best parts about the All Star Game is a random mascot group hanging out in sessions like this. And it's like three mascots on a yacht or something. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, That's so gritty doing a dance with, you know, putting his butt in the, in the camera and stuff like that. So, ah, okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. That's great. And what, then they asked the cop if that was against the law. He goes, no, no I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm out. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Why don't we talk uh, playoff ticket prices? Now the Colorado sure. avalanche, I would say, would you agree, Dennis? It's not a guarantee that they make the playoffs. Uh, it's not a guarantee, but. They probably will, but a guarantee, no. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. They probably will, but I would say yeah. it's no guarantee. Um, there was a tweet that went out here over the last day or so. The uh, Avs season ticket holders, uh, playoff pricing showing mm-hmm. this year compared to last year. So this is last year. Pick pick a, uh, let's see, we have uh, upstairs, we have lower end. How about, how about lower level in the center? How about that? Yeah, sure. Okay, okay. Prime last time. year. Last year, lower level in the center uh, was $120 for the first round, and mm-hmm. it escalated sure. two, three, and four, and they were $200 in the uh, Stanley Cup final. Okay? okay. Lower level center this year, your tickets that were uh, previously 100 now 160 and they mm-hmm. go up to 508 if they reach the Stanley <laughs> Cup final. Now, we could go through line by line, but this is called Kings of the Podcast, not the Avalanche right. Podcast. Right. Uh, there was this other person, I don't know her, she replied to the tweet, Erica Lind, and she said, I did a spreadsheet because I'm an accountant. The smallest increase over the whole playoff run is 89%. <laughs> That's the smallest, Dennis, 89% from last year to this year. I'm not talking about 
regular season increase to right. playoffs. I'm talking about last year playoff prices. Apples to, to point, apples. Apples exactly. to apples. The the smallest increase, 89%, that is uh, rinkside center and the attack mm-hmm. once in the once. rinkside end. Okay. Right. The largest increase, and I hope you're ready for this one, Dennis, because this is a real slap in the face to longtime diehard fans. The largest increase is 271% for the attack just once in the upper level section. Mm-hmm. Yep. 271%. Dennis, I'm all about supply and demand and all yeah, of that stuff. Totally. And, and, and I get it that ticket prices are going to go up. But I remember these same conversations taking place in Los Angeles. Right. Uh, as, a, as an example, the ticket prices that... Um, a, kind of behind the benches. I think they started out at $60 in the lower mm-hmm. bowl for yep. season tickets when the building opened in 1999. Those same tickets today uh, go for roughly uh, about $150 a game. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that, that that happens over time, right? Right. But, but year to year, Dennis, a 271% increase seems a little excessive, if you ask me. <laughs> Amazing what happens when you raise the trophy, right? Yeah. As soon as the cup yeah. goes up over... Nathan McKinnon's head, boom, or uh, Gabe Landeskog, that's what happens. And you're right about – but, John, like you talk about supply and demand, but the, the supply is the same. Nothing changed. And they're sold out. So what's the what, – that's just a money grab without question. Right. Well, which is that's, what I mean by, that's what I mean by supply and demand is that, is that yeah. when, when the supply is fixed and the demand is increasing, that's when any business raises their prices, right? Yeah. 271% though, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. This is the other thing. I don't know what the right percentage is that would make me feel like you're not gouging your fan base. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the prices went up 100%, if they doubled, okay, I, I, maybe I'd yeah, be okay with that. It's the, play, it's the Stanley Cup playoffs too. It's different, right? 271%. Uh, I feel for yeah, those people though. Bit. Yep, it's tough. That's tough. I hope I hope they throw in a free hot dog or a bloomin' onion um, with those particular uh, uh, prices. But what the, my first thought when I saw this, though, well, after I had empathy for the season ticket holders, my first thought was, what if they don't even make the playoffs? Because they're not really, they're not in that guaranteed spot of making the playoffs, right? There's an outside chance they could not make the playoffs, and I don't know. I'd be scared to see what they would do next. Year and, and it depends how the payment money lost, or the payment plan. Is it pay as you go? If it's pay as you go, then there's a little bit of a break. But if they do get to, let's say, the, the conference final, like that's a lot of money that you're going to have to outlay for, for, for you know, championship team. And that's the issue. It's like if they – had they not won the Cup, John? Do you think there's a 271% increase? No, no, no of course no, not. No. So it's, it's simple about the championship that has its benefits and they chose to go that route. Yeah, I think that – I mean, I would imagine – I don't know this for sure. Maybe somebody can do a survey. I would think that all teams at this point would be on a – pay-as-you-go type plan. I mean, long are the days where, I remember these days, where the Kings would ask for all of the playoff money, all four rounds, 16 games, four four home games for four rounds, Mm -hmm. so 16 games. It was due by February 15th. And so, you know, McNall was making interest on your money from February 15th all all the way. And then you didn't get a refund on that money. No, you got Uh, a credit. You, yeah, you didn't get a refund of that money, Dennis, until the week before season ticket money was due for the following year. So why would you even get a refund? Because right. seven days later, you had to turn around and pay the team. So you just, It's ah, in one pocket, and it goes out the other pocket. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So just give me a credit and, and, and let them continue to make the interest. But exactly. no, the Kings went to a pay-as-you-go model, mm-hmm. God, it feels like 15 years ago, maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that even back when they were in the cup final in 2012, I mean, that was over 10 years ago, they were already yep. on a pay-as-you-go plan. I could be wrong. One of our followers will tweet us and 
I'm sure they'll tell us all about it. Uh, Dennis, you want to talk injuries or you want to talk, uh, how about we talk injuries now and then we'll talk sure. trades in the third period. Let's do that. Sounds great. So I was, I, I have a couple of uh, injury updates to, uh, to give everybody. So now Carl Grundstrom, I don't have an update for you. He um, is said to be out at least through the all-star break or past the all-star break. So yeah. I, I'm not expecting him uh, first game back. Good news though, Arthur Kaliev, I am expecting back in the lineup on the first game coming out of the break. Uh, so it, he's been back, he's skating, he's said to be ready to go. So that's good news. Um, a little bit surprising as well. Pretty, pretty quick recovery, um, from yep. what looked like, you know, uh, to be a foot or ankle type Broken foot. Yeah. 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 Well, we, I was trying to, you know, speak, uh, uh generalities. I said it, they can, they can, they can point at me for that one. <laughs> when a guy's walking around in a boot, John, on his foot, he's probably broken foot. Probably. Okay. okay. You can find him at Dennis TFP on Twitter. For as long as you don't tweet a picture of him walking in the boot, you're fine. Okay. You can talk about oh. it. Exactly. Oh, no, you didn't, as you like I to sure say. Did. I sure uh, did. Now, here's some other news for you. From what I understand, uh, Trevor Moore is back skating. He's been skating Great. of late. He's Great. not said, from, from, from my sources, he's not said to be ready quite yet. So um, it's possible that he returns very quickly. But mm -hmm. as of uh, when I checked in within the last 24 hours, not currently scheduled for their first game back coming out of the break. So soon. But that's but, good news. Can, yeah, that certainly back is Back on the news. ice. Exactly. Yeah, he's been off the ice a week, long time. Yeah. And last we heard, he wasn't even skating yet. So right. um, as Daryl Sutter, like you used to love to remind us, it all begins with first skating. Yes. And then you get the red con no contact jersey. Remember when Daryl had to try to yeah. walk everybody through that? Through like, yeah, Daryl, we get it. All we really want to. Yes, yes. And then you have to ha clear the roster spot. If the guy's been on IR, you have to send somebody down in order mm -hmm. to get the roster spot. Yes, thank you, Daryl, for walking us through. I should go back and find that audio and replay it. That was amazing stuff. Uh, real quickly, not to divert too far, Dennis, but did, I, I'm sure you saw the press conference. It's embarrassing. Did you see the press conference where Daryl, the guy asked him, like, Hey, how about Jacob Pelletier? Yeah. 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 And he goes, what's his number? Like, come on, yeah. dude. Come on. Like, I know. that's not, in, in my opinion, that's not funny. It's not funny at all. And as a kid who made his, his debut, this is not a player that's played for, you know, 10 weeks or anything like that. It wasn't like, you know, like, I, that's the thing about Daryl. When the microphones go down, he's a great guy. W when they get turned on, he just changes. It's a different guy. He's, you know, he's got two personalities. It's Jekyll and Hyde. And it wasn't funny at all. It, it's it's yeah. a great accomplishment. John, to get in this league for one minute of one game is a massive accomplishment. It, it shouldn't be joked about. And that's just, Daryl just sometimes doesn't say the appropriate thing at the right time. And it comes out and it's a really bad look for him. Yeah. And I was surprised because he's played in this league. He knows how what a, what a struggle it is to get here and stay here. So he should have said, hey, look, that was a great debut. You know, he's got a lot to do, you know, still a lot to learn, a lot to prove. But I'm, like, happy that he's got a, you know, it's a, it's a great sense of accomplishment. And he kind of crapped on it. Yeah, it, it was not funny to me. I know a lot of people think it's funny, but that that type of thing. In that, that moment. That act's old, John. You know what? It was yeah. funny, in, in, you know, yeah. when when I asked him what he asked his team, you know, when he said fly at 11 during the, you know, during the cup run. Yeah, yeah. Great. That's funny. But now it's 2023. That was nine years ago. It's not funny anymore. Well, but what you said also, though, is true. It, he, it took away the specialness of the moment for that player. So if you want to be self-deprecating in your humor or if you want to be right. funny in a generic way like fly at 11 or whatever, that's fine. But, man, come on. That was that kid's big moment. And you're like, what's his number? Like, dude, you know what his number is. What are you doing? Right. right? Stop it. I know. 
anyway, okay, so um, then we have Gabe Velarde. have to give an okay. update quickly on number Please. 13. Uh, I wish I had better news to report. Um, from what I understand, Gabe is not yet back skating. So, uh, and there's no timetable yet for his return either. So, going to have to kind of figure out what's going on with Gabe Velarde. So, you have Velarde, you have Moore, you have Kaliev, mm-hmm. and you have Grundstrom. Um, that's a lot. Uh, now from what I understand also, the organization has not lost faith in Toby Bjornfoot. And I bring this up because there were a lot of sort of comments coming into the year and I was questioning it as well, right? Like, Hey, what's going on here? Because this is a player who played more games on the blue line last yep. year than any other Kings defense. 70. Yep. Because of injuries. We understand yep. that. Right. But the organization needs a left shot. And so why aren't you giving Bjornfoot more games. And I said on the podcast before they went on the road, I would have put Bjornfoot in every yeah, game you did. Uh, mm-hmm. on the road trip. Right. So it, it, a little bit of it has to do with Jersey. A little bit of it also has to do with Edler. You need Jersey in the lineup mm-hmm. and you want Jersey on the second pair more than you want him on the third pair that right. they, they want some offense out of they that second offense. pairing. Understandable. And Todd is not quite comfortable with Bjornfoot as from what I've gathered, I didn't get this directly from McClellan. Um, but I think it speaks to how he's utilized Bjornfoot as well. He's not as comfortable with Bjornfoot as he is with Matt Roy. You're saying, well, how are the two yeah. related? Well, because if if you put Bjornfoot on the second pairing, or I should mm-hmm. say if you put Jersey on the right side on the second pair, then you yeah. either have to play Bjornfoot or Edler at mm-hmm. second pair left. And right. they recognize and acknowledge that Edler is best suited to play on the third pair right now and that he should Agreed. be playing second pair minutes. So that locks in Edler to the third side. Right. So now the question would be, would you put Bjornfoot with Dursey? And they just don't seem to like that combination. Mm-hmm. And Matt Roy, as we have discussed a couple months back, seemed to indicate that he would prefer not to move over to the left side. Yeah. So if you lock Roy in, then that puts Dursey over to the, to the left-hand yep. side. So that's yep. it's kind of what it's about. Um, but the plan would be for Toby Bjornfoot to uh, be part of the LA Kings next year. He's out of waivers. You would need to play him in Los Angeles. So I would, assuming he's not traded, and I, and I don't right. say that because there are trade rumors surrounding mm-hmm. Toby, but I yep. say that because Rob Blake has some roster maneuvering to do either A, here at the trade deadline, or B, this summer, which we can talk about more um, on, the next, uh, on the next period coming up here. Mm-hmm. But you also have Jordan Spence, who we had on the last right. podcast, to try to figure out what to do with him. him. And you also have... Uh, Brant Clark. So a quick shout out to Brant Clark, who uh, will be with the LA Kings organization next year. He'll be a pro next year. He's AHL eligible, I believe, next year. So you'll have to see if they make enough trades, which again, we'll get into in the third period, to clear room for him, or if they put him in the American League next year and work on his defense. Because one of the things um, that I've been hearing, Dennis, from a couple of sources is one of the things they like about Spence as a comparison to Brant Clark, not saying that Spence is a better player, but one specific aspect is that Spence defends long, right? So mm-hmm. he defends yeah. a wider area. Yep. And that's something that you have to you have to work on and develop normally. So Brand yeah, Clark it's understandable. This is, right. This is this is where playing in junior, I think, doesn't help Brant Clark this year. Because I don't think he's gonna learn to to defend, defend? long no. when he's playing in junior, right? His game is going to be more offensive oriented than already seen. And that's yep. why he was the player of the month in the Ontario Hockey League. Um where Jordan Spence, I've said this many times, what was most impressive about him last year to me was he was a first-year pro, DB. Yep. So normally you expect a kid coming in from junior to have an adjustment. He went from being the rookie of the year in the Quebec League to being the defenseman of the year in the Quebec League, came into the American League, and basically was so good that he was eligible to come up when the Kings were injured. 
he gets a call up and he fit right in. Dennis said one right of the in. reasons he yep. fit in was because he was able to defend long. His challenge yeah. would be defending big. And this yes. is where right. I think you asked a great question last time he was on, which is what was it like to defend against Connor McDavid? Do you remember his comment? Uh, crapped his pants. I don't know. Yeah, it, was, it was a crap your pants moment. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what he said. So, uh, yeah. but it's a, it's a live and learn, right? As a player, you now have that experience and then you right. adjust and then you ask for help among the coaches and you can talk to a Sean O'Donnell or whoever mm-hmm. and get some help with how to play. Where, where do you assess things with Jordan Spence right now? Do you, do you consider him a full-time NHL player that's just waiting for a roster spot? Or do you consider him still as uh, somebody that's kind of a work in progress? Uh, somewhere between that, John. Like, I, I think there's still work to do, but not as much. Like, I, I think you could play Jordan Spence in the game against Pittsburgh and be comfortable with him, right? He could be in the lineup right now. Just, just the plethora of right-handed defensemen. That, that he, it's a numbers game for Jordan Spence. On another team, he's probably playing in the NHL and probably playing well. He's probably a bottom four guy and not a top pair guy. But he proved last season he could do it and could do it in the playoffs. Um, so I just think it's a numbers game and it's a trust factor. Like th- there's known quantities on the right side with respect to the team right now. It's not like they have a bunch of rookies playing on the right side and he can't, he can't make it. You know, you're talking about Drew Doughty and Matt Roy. You know, so I, at this point. And Sean Walker, who's a veteran, so they're going with the veteran team. If if there were less right-handed defensemen, he'd probably be on the team right now, and I believe he can play in the league for sure. Yeah, so again, GM Rob Blake has a lot of work to do here coming up at the trade deadline as yeah. well as what to do over the summer to try to make room for some of these guys. As we wrap up the second period, there are two of the Kings' younger uh, players, two of the Kings' prospects that have been up with the club. We're not talking defensively now. We're talking at forward. Alex Turcott has been getting some playing time on this road trip, or was getting playing time on the road trip that just completed, as was young Sammy Fagamo. I'm just uh, interested, over those six games, Dennis, what did you like? What did you not like? Any observations or tidbits among uh, those two players? Sammy can score. He's got he's got tools. He's got gifts offensively. The, the goals he scored were, were the session that that last one he scored was really good. And Turcotte, here's the thing with Turcotte. He's got to play up here, and he's got to play against men, and he's got to stay healthy. So I don't look at the numbers because he hasn't put registered a point yet. So you know, I'm not worried about that. Is he a trade chip? I, I don't know. If they really want to trade him. He needs to get time. He needs to get ice time in the National League and see what happens and see if he can handle it. So so it's a developmental issue with Alex Turcotte, right? I think he's mastered playing the AHL level. And now can he compete? Can he can he be an impact player up here? Yeah. So let's let's go through that for just a second. Yeah, sure. Uh, I want to I want to try to level expectations for people out there because I've seen some crazy expectations on Sammy Fagamo as a goal scorer, especially considering that he led the world juniors in scoring a couple of years ago when he was playing for Team Sweden. Fagamo at best is a bottom six forward in the NHL. Now that's my opinion. If you bring Nelson Emerson on who we've had on the program, he talks up uh, Sammy Fagamo quite a bit. I, I think, I don't know if he'll go on record and say that's his favorite prospect, but it's certainly, mm-hmm. he, le- he leans into uh, those comments. Um, so this is taking nothing away from Sammy Fagamo. You can have a long productive career sure. in the national hockey league and make a lot of money and have a very fun time being a bottom six forward. Um, as one scout put it to me, though, he is Trevor Lewis with the better scoring touch. Where okay. Sammy Fagamo is going to make his money is really being a little bit hard, being on the forecheck, doing things, uh, and then scoring some timely goals. But if you're expecting 30 goals or if you're expecting him no. to become the next Kempe, um, that's not who Sammy Fagamo is. And uh, he gets power play time in Ontario. And so I think mm-hmm. some people are looking for him to get power play time yeah. up with the Kings. 
I would just say, keep in mind that when he gets that power play time, it was over the last two seasons. It was usually when some of the top guys weren't available. When Marty Furk wasn't available, Fagamo would get in on the power play, right? And right now, when Byfield or when Turcotte wasn't getting power play time, or even Kapari, who has now been up with the Kings for an extended run, when those guys weren't around and the rain are thin on players right now, mm-hmm. uh, Fagamo would get more power play time. And he would obviously score in those op- uh, power play moments because he has a good scoring touch. And when you have he five does. on four, yeah. your numbers should be better than when you're playing five on five. So, um, Excited to see Sammy getting his opportunity. He's, he's, he's played well. Uh, Turcotte, on the other hand, he, again, not looking at the points. There was that one extended shift. Um, I believe it was in Florida where things didn't go too well against mm-hmm. the Panthers. And then he, uh, they were rested or Turk was rested the next night. Um, for me with Turk, it comes down to center versus wing. And the Kings are kind of loaded right now at center or, or, or they have enough centers. They have the guys to play center. So can you get Turcotte out to the wing? But I go back to Marco Sturm, the coach of the Ontario Reign, who he believes that Turk has played his best this year at center ice yeah. rather than at wing. So it'll be interesting to see how long Turk stays up and if he does stay up, where they utilize him. I know he's back down right now, but those were paper transactions. But do you utilize him on the wing or do you utilize him at center? And remember, let's go back to what happened with Kempe. Remember, Kempe was a center and, and he got most of his offense from playing in the middle of the ice. And it took a while to adapt to playing the wing. So if they are going to go to the wing, it's a different game. Like, there's less responsibility, which is great. But the angles are different. The views are different. Everything is different. You have to play better along the wall, which I assume Turka can. That's one of the strengths. Uh, and so it, it may take time. And it, But it happened with a player who – how long did it wait for Adrian Kepi to become this version of Adrian Kepi? A long time. I was the, one of the biggest critics, if not the biggest critic, until this guy emerged. But it, it takes time to adapt. It, you know, people always say, oh, it's easy, to go from, it's easy to go from center to wing than wing to center. But there's still an adjustment to go to wing, John. Like, there really is. It's like you have to be available. You have to know and get chemistry with your center. It's not – it's easier, but it, it ain't easy. So it, it's going to take time. But you're right. I think their decision has to be made on, on what his ultimate uh, position would be up to the NHL. I like Turk on the wing. Uh, it, it se- he seems to get in less trouble on the wing compared to mm-hmm. center. And he's a hunter. He's the guy who can get the yeah. pucks and make the plays behind the net and really can dish the puck off to his teammates. We saw him do that a lot, actually, uh, you know, with Zegris when they were together at Team USA at the World Juniors. And we've seen flashes of that in the Ontario when he's been with uh, the in the AHL as well. So, uh, yeah, I say keep Turk around and let him play the wing and, and see what's going on there. Um Why don't we do this, DB? Why don't we take a quick break here? We'll come back. And on the other side, let's talk trades. Everyone wants to talk trade deadline. We're about a month away. Kings have a lot of work to do over the next six months. We'll talk about that after the break. I feel you crumbling my arms down to your heart of stone. You bled me dry just like the tears you never show. Why don't you take what you want from me? Take what you need from me. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Welcome back, Kings of the Podcast, third period. We're going to wrap up our program here live from Florida. DB, uh, I was able to get some some breaking news or an update, I should say, here between uh, while everybody else was listening to music. 
working some sources. Here's the deal on Carl Grundstrom. We'll give a quick update on the last, uh, uh, what we were talking about in the last period. It sounds like he's going to be skating this coming week. Um, then he'll need a little bit of while, a little bit of time to get back up to speed. So uh, once again, we'll have to consult with Daryl Sutter on the timelines of how things work. But I think what will happen is he'll, he'll get back on the ice, he'll skate for a little while, get going again, and then we'll have to see when he gets back into the lineup. So to recap, Kaliev should be available for game one out of the break, and then Moore has been skating. Grunstrom is going to return to skating, and we'll see what's going on with them. And we'll, of course, look for Gabe Velarde updates as, uh, as time moves forward. So there you go, your, your Carl Grunstrom update, Dennis. That's a key update there, John. So you get, you covered all four guys, all four forwards. Well, you know why I think it is a key update in all seriousness is I think that Carl Grunstrom gives them a little bit of physicality and it gives no question. Um, it yep. gives Todd an extra option on nights that he wants to let uh, uh, Lemieux sit out. Yep. And, and when you're playing certain teams and right. you don't have Grunstrom in the lineup, it almost forces your hand to put Lemieux into the right. lineup. Yeah. So I think, I think Grundy is a, or Tonka or whatever he wants to be called is a, is a key there. Hey, speaking of Tonka, you know, we didn't have it on the list of topics to talk about, but we're one week out, Dennis. Uh, well, eight days, technically, from the day of recording this. It's going to be a very big day in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. February 11th, number 23 goes to the rafters. It broke the news a little while back. The statue will be placed outside of the box office area, north side of the building, in close proximity to Bob Miller. Bob Miller, yeah. Still hoping to break the news on what the statue will actually look like. What was the moment that they captured? Mm-hmm. Um, but over on LA Kings insider, Dennis, it is going to be all Dustin Brown between now and, uh, February 11th. And I have a personal piece. It's not a poem, but it's a personal, uh, uh, I guess, diary or journal entry, Mm -hmm. uh, regarding number 23 that'll be posting over there later this week. So fantastic. That's great. That's awesome. It's, uh, you know, it's a tough one, Dennis. Uh, this is, this is a big moment, you know, uh, Dustin Brown, Mm -hmm. he is, in the top four, he's on the Mount Rushmore yeah, for the LA Kings. No question. And yep. I think that what bothers me and frustrates me is that people outside of Los Angeles probably don't understand that enough. They don't. They're like, you know, what do you mean about Rogie and Gretzky? And Dustin Brown was the captain, not only for the first Stanley Cup, but for two Stanley Cups and was the captain and helped lead this team uh, to a, a, a height and a level that nobody who followed this organization ever thought. They hoped... But yep. they never thought they would get there. And Dean Lombardi had a vision. And Dean Lombardi and his staff were the ones who decided that Dustin Brown was going to be the captain. He was going to get the tattoo. We all heard Dean talk about yep. that. Right. Uh, 23 is deserving of every single honor and accolade and praise that he's going to get here uh, over the next eight days and beyond, in my opinion. He he is the king of kings, Dennis. There's there's no argument in my mind. Yeah, I mean, he led this organization out of the wilderness. Like he was the captain. He was the leader. And, and Daryl always, like Daryl always try to minimize Dustin Brown, to be honest, John, like, because yes. remember, Oh, I have seven captains and yeah, but you have one guy wearing the seat. Right. And Dustin isn't the most verbose, you know, individual anyway. He's, he's measured with his words, but he, he's the one that wears He's the one that lifted the cup in 2012 on a home ice. And that might be a seminal moment for people. And we talked about this last night at the McDavid event. For me, the seminal moment, and I'll just say this as a side, they are the organization is working since October on this night. Like they, this is going to be a very special night. So if you're privileged enough to be in the building, get there early. It is going to be some celebration, some tribute to uh, you know, what's is, is a king's legend. But for me, the seminal moment for Dustin Brown was the hit on Her- Henrik Sundin. 
when, when he hit Sandin and he and Sandin was tapping at the the boards to try to get back on the bench. That was the moment that announced the Kings' arrival as a cup contender. Yeah, there was a lot of great memories past that, and you know, getting the three power play goals against New Jersey. But for me, that was the moment that didn't turn the franchise up. When I think of Dustin, I always think of that play. Yeah, my moment's a little bit different. I won't quite reveal what that is yet. You and I were Please. talking about that last yeah. night with a group of people. But uh, sure. let's just say there is a special uh, uh, black and white, which is that fantastic Kings video series that they produce. There's a special black and white coming up where you're going to hear about that hit from the other side, from the Vancouver side, which is different because we always for for a decade now have been hearing about it from the LA side. So there's something interesting there. Um, Let's, let's put all of that away for just a second. I think that we're going to have a Dustin Brown tribute podcast that we're going to need to do at some point here over the next uh, week to 10 days. So we'll worry about that then. Interestingly enough, another gentleman who probably belongs on the Mount Rushmore for the LA Kings, number 32, Jonathan Quick. This hasn't been his season, Dennis. Last year, you know, uh, he very much put the team on his back and helped helped carry them, and especially in the second half of the season. And we saw flashes and glimpses of of the old Jonathan Quick. Um, In my opinion, Dennis, he's still trying to play like old JQ in a very athletic way. And I almost wish, and I'm not a goaltending expert, you know, so I'm sure it's more complicated than this, but I almost wish he, there would be a little bit less movement and just mm-hmm. sort of stop the puck, if you will. Um, so we'll just get right to it. A lot of fans talking about, well, what's next for JQ? Are you putting him on waivers? Are you trading him? Are you buying him out? All these, Dennis, my opinion, there's not a chance in hell. There's a 0% chance, mm-hmm. and I will go on record uh, if, if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'll tweet it of for course. everybody and they can, they can right. all, they can all have their, their day in the sun that I was wrong. Yeah, of in my opinion, in my opinion, <laughs> Dennis, there is a 0% chance that Jonathan quick is not on the LA Kings roster on the final day of the regular season there in mid April. Yeah. He's played how many years for this franchise? 15, 16 years, 30 games left in his, his regular season career and here, and you're going to wave him. And he's health, and they're health. They have three healthy goalies. I keep people keep coming to me to like, oh, da da da. They have three healthy goalies. You want to trade for a fourth goalie, like who? And not for nothing, Copley is fifteen three and one. And I know the stats aren't the greatest, and he wasn't great against Dallas, and he got pulled out of the Nashville game. Is Cam Talbot really going to be an improvement over Phoenix Copley down the stretch? Like, really, give me the goalie. Like, they're not getting UC Soros. Vasilevsky's not getting traded from Tampa. So I don't know the solution. To the, the solution, John, as we both have said, comes in the offseason. And they only have one goalie signed after, after the end of the regular season, and that's Cal Peterson. This is not going to be fixed. What you see is what you get, and you're certainly not going to trade Jonathan Quick, and you're not going to waive him at this point. It, it would just – the optics would be horrific because you have to think of the big picture. If a free agent was thinking of coming here – a lifetime king, a guy who's going to be on the Mount Rushmore, the greatest goalie in the franchise history who won two cups, who won a Smythe. At the end, you're going to just wave him? And then what And then what happens? When nobody claims him, you're going to send Jonathan Quick to Ontario to play with Cal Peterson? Is that what you're going to do? Like, well, it doesn't make any sense. You, you would have to at least – well, unless you traded for a goalie, you would have to call up Cal at that point because otherwise Copley is going to have to play every game. So if you yeah. waved Quick – I just don't even know why we're entertaining this conversation. By the way, did, could you hear the sirens outside uh, here that were going on? I don't know if the listeners no. could, but if you heard all the sirens that were going by, there was a, there were about 20 police cars that went by. I think they're going after those listeners and those Twitter followers <laughs> who are suggesting the timing couldn't have been more perfect. I wish Either I that or Nick Alberga they're going after, hopefully. Oh, <laughs> 
on out. They got him last night, Dennis. He, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's out yet. Uh, but you know. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Quick is on this roster, Dennis. You yeah. owe it. To, you owe it to him. And I'm sorry that he's not playing at you know yeah. at the level that you want, but you owe it to him to ride this out through the end of the year. He is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Now, coming into the season, Quick said that his mindset yeah. was that he wanted to, to continue play. to play. Things changed, Dennis, just like the Kings once upon a time explored a trade for Justin Williams. They ended up not trading him, and right. that year he went on to win the Conn Smythe. Things changed, Dennis. So yep. Quickie, who once upon a time said that he was thinking about wanting to play next year, maybe his mind will be different. Maybe his thoughts will be different when we get to the end of the season. It doesn't matter what he said back in October. That's what no. he said then, and no one's going to hold it against him. So let's wait until we get to the end of the year, after the playoffs are over, assuming the Kings make it to the postseason, and let's let Jonathan Quick at that time decide what he wants to do with his future. I would personally be very surprised if he was back with the LA Kings next year, If he uh, even on a one-year, $1 million deal. Yeah. Like, I'd be surprised. If, they, if Quick wants to continue his NHL career, it most likely will not be in Los Angeles. Would you agree with that? Totally, a hundred percent, and yeah. and and he has to make a decision like about his legacy. Here's the thing: when the guys like Quick and you could also talk about like Kane and Taze as well, they don't have to chase a cup. You got to like, what more do you need to do? Are you going to miss the camaraderie? Are you going to miss the like you mentioned? He's not going to get a seven million dollar year contract. So is it really worth it to to play for a and it sounds crazy to play for a million dollars? I know that's a lot of money. Like, what more does he need to prove? The only thing I could see, John is that if, if it doesn't improve for him down the stretch and he doesn't play in the playoffs, do you want to go out on that that note? like, or, or do you want to prove to yourself that I can still play more competitively in this league and maybe it was just time to go to a different franchise? It's the only reason to come back. But like, like it's not Jerome McGinley. Like Jerome was, was chasing a cup. And I get that. I understand it. There's nothing for Jonathan Quick to chase. His, his legacy is cemented. He's won championship. He has two rings. So he's going to have to make a decision over the summer. Some guys just love to play, love the game. So we'll yeah, I, I was going to say that the competitive nature part is that thing, right? Like I just saw Corey Perry when, when uh, we were in Tampa the other night <clears throat> and funny watching him and, and Dowdy yuck it up after the yeah. game, you know, and you think about the, the hatred between the Kings and the Ducks, but the connection has always been strong between those two London boys. Right. And Corey Perry is now playing for his 19th team in the league. So, you know, <laughs> I don't think he's ever going to quit. Right. Right. Um, and he, he, he already has a cup. So, you know, does he, but he wants to play. Uh, yeah. In terms of Jonathan Quick, though, I'll just—I I don't want to write him off because the, the season's not over. And so, I, right. let's let's do our Jonathan Quick, you know, down memory lane at the end of the year. But I will sure. just say, it really bummed me out seeing Mike Madonna in a Detroit Red Wings jersey. Yeah. And there are many other players that you know we could talk about in sports that tried to not go out on that sour note, like you said. Um, and I would wish Quickie nothing but the best if he went to another franchise. Uh, you know, oh, I hope yeah. he did have success, right? Um, but. Given the odds of players with that many games played at that age, at that position, yeah. who are still Agreed. trying to chase it, um, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet a large sum of money that that's what's going to happen in that next franchise. And it would be yeah. nice to see him go out on top. Hey, Dustin Brown went out on his own terms, right? Right. Uh, he surprised everybody at the end of the season and said, "This is it, one way or the other." I love the way that he did it. Um, yep. You know, it. He gave everybody that moment. And mm -hmm. then he gave everybody that rallying point in the playoffs as well, right. you know, like yep. win one for Brownie. So I, I don't know yep. if Quick would do something similar, but he's not being traded, Dennis. That's what we're, no. we're both going on record here and saying. Um, 100%. All right. 
I have some, some news that I want to share, and I hope that it doesn't disappoint too many people. Um, from what I, now, again, we have 30 days to, to, for this to change, but from what I'm getting the sense of and talking to several different sources, I don't believe the Kings are going to make a big move at the trade deadline, regardless of what happens between now uh, and the trade deadline. Now, some key injuries obviously could change that, but all sure. things being sort of similar to what they are right now, and obviously the Kings have had several injuries, but they've been able to backfill those with some kids. They were able to backfill with some... Now, that's at forward. Last year, they right. had to backfill on the defensive Defense, side of things. Right. And they, and they gave the kids an opportunity to play. From what I'm getting the sense of, um, the Kings just aren't willing in season to pay the prices that are out there for some of these, these deals. It doesn't mean that they don't understand where the holes are. They clearly understand the need yeah. for a, a left D, especially on the second yeah. pairing. And they understand some of their other needs uh, goaltending, as you mentioned as well, but it doesn't seem like there's going to be a big splash at the trade deadline. I would expect them to go out and get a depth player on the defensive side, left side. Think of like that Troy Stetcher sort mm-hmm. of type of a move, right? A depth move, but depth more for move, the left right. side of the of the defense. Yep. Um, at forward, they're giving a lot of their kids their opportunities, which then leads into the summer and also leads into some of the other trade rumors like Patrick Kane, Varlamov, yeah. et cetera. I want to get you to weigh in on trade deadline stuff and then we'll get to the summer trade deadline. What are you hearing uh, or what are you reading or what are you being asked about when it comes to these crazy things like Patrick Kane to the LA Kings? Yeah. Well, if, if Gabe Valori's out for the rest of the season, like, and I'm being facetious here, then then maybe you trade for Patrick Kane, but there's too many forwards. Like, John, how many times have in podcasts you said there's too many forwards? And I get it. Four guys are hurt. But by the time you get to March 3rd and beyond, these guys will be healed, right? And and they'll be playing. So to, to add it four in, in season, no. and the team's doing well offensively, John. You don't need, like, this is not like last year or three seasons ago when this team could never score. This team can score. So you don't need that. You really don't need that. They're set at center. They've got enough wingers. Uh, the defense, yeah, they have to make Now, I will say this. Um, some fans who have a candle in the window for Jacob Chikrin, um, I think he's going to wind up in Boston. And so if he does, so I, and, and I think that the Bruins are going hard after him right now. So you might want to just extinguish that candle, put it in, in the closet and maybe bring it out after the trade deadline, if he's still available. So I think that's the one guy that's out there that, uh, that we've talked about for him for how long, John, two years, three seven years? years, I think seven years. Yes. We've talked about <laughs> Jacob chicken took the Kings for seven years. So could they do it? Yes. But, uh, and, and here's the, here's the logic. You put Jacob chicken with Charlie McAvoy. You think that team's good now, even better then. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. Uh, the alarms are going off now. I set off the alarms talking about Jacob Chikrin, not going to the Kings. So, um, so that's the uh, so that that's my thinking. And with respect to forward, I, I just don't see it. I agree with you. The big move has to be made in the off season, not at the trade deadline. What you see is what you get with this team. I agree with you on maybe a depth move on the left side, but the big home run, the big swing that I think they need to take probably comes in the off season, not at March third. Dennis, if you're not willing to pay the deadline price for Jacob Chikrin, if you're not willing to move those assets, why would you be willing to move those assets or similar assets to get Patrick Kane? It's not the exact same trade package, no, not. but if you don't like the prices to go out and get Jacob Chikrin, yeah. where on, on the position that you need the most, which is defense, yeah. why would you give up assets that you may no. need over the summer to go out and get Patrick and, Kane? And the other thing, they're going to be substantial assets, John. So, um, like you're going to break up the chemistry of this team. You're going to have to take an NHL player off this roster. That's got to be part of the deal. 
And I, I don't think they be, look, they can't do it on the D. Uh, would they do it up front? I don't think so. So look, this team has made strides. Look, they got to make the play. Look, John, if something changes between now and March 3rd and they fall out and they're like ninth, then maybe you got to make a bigger move. But for right now, I, I agree with you. I just don't see it because you don't want to break up the chemistry of what's a 98 point team. Um, and John, even if you make that move, does that get to a, to a cup final? If Colorado's healthy, it doesn't. Like, and here's the thing. And Todd said it after losing that, that tough Carolina game. He says, we can compete and beat any team in this league. And I, the West, if Colorado's not fully healthy, and even if they are, John, they still haven't replaced Nas Kadri. Like, Alex Newhook and JT Comfer, they're not second-line centers. So maybe even a, a healthy Colorado series is beatable. They could beat in the playoffs any team. But can they get four rounds and make that big move? I'm not sure they're there yet, so it's going to be interesting. But I agree with you. I, I just – I want – you know me. I want them to make the big swing. I've said it for – since October. I, I agree with you. I, I don't see it happening in the moment here by March 3rd. Here's the thing, Dennis. Do I want them to take a big swing right now because of the reasons that you stated? Because they could beat any they team could. right now, and if they were to strengthen their position, yeah. they would be that much stronger and, and have that much of a greater chance to beat a team and make some noise. Yes. However, you can't be short-sighted. And you think back about what, what impacted Dean Lombardi in the long run is when he sort of went all in and he made some short-sighted trades, mm-hmm. some deals yeah. to go out and get players that were there to help them for only one season, for only one moment. Mm-hmm. You think about – I mean, imagine how different the Kings would be right now if they had Eric Chernock uh, on defense instead of yep. the trade that they did uh, to get Ben Bishop ben in Bishop. there. You think about what they did in giving up a first-round draft pick in order to get Sakara and how yep. he walked after, you know, 20 games or whatever it was. So they do have to be careful. They they traded their first-round draft pick last year and a top-three yep. prospect in Brock Faber to get Kevin Fiala. It's been a home run. I've said this many no times. No question. Blakey won the summer two summers ago. He won the summer last summer, right? It, 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 you, you can't debate it. Tell me who had a better summer two years ago when he signed Phil Deneau and Victor Arvidsson. You won't find right. a GM that did. Tell me a GM who made a bigger move last year from an impact standpoint than getting Kevin Fiala. You won't. So he's two summers, and this guy made me laugh on Twitter the other day. I'm disappointed in Rob Blake. He won't make the big move. And I'm like, dude, have you been paying attention to what's going on? I just, I don't understand this living in the moment mentality mm-hmm. of some people your fans Dennis the Twitter donkeys I don't understand donkeys, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand the living in the moment so my long-winded explanation here Dennis is yeah you can't make that move without also considering what's going to happen in the summer I'm not saying you can't make it period but right. you can't make that move right now without considering what's going to happen in the summer and right. there is a lot that's going to have to take place this summer because what's going to have to take place is they're going to have to clear some players out Dennis you yeah. have to make room for Jordan Spence so mm-hmm. how do you get him into the lineup? You mm-hmm. already have too many defensemen, right? Yep. You have Dowdy, Mikey Anderson, you have to sign to a contract this summer. How much yep. money is Mikey Anderson going to get? Okay. Yep. That's going to play into the cap's not going up much this summer, DB. Nope. So, nope. and I've mentioned this a couple podcasts ago, you lose Jonathan Quick off the books. And so you gain, quote unquote, people can't see my air quotes, 5 million. Mm-hmm. But when you spend 3 million of that to get another goalie to replace him, yep. minimum, right? Yep. Then you really didn't, you really didn't add or save as much money as you thought and, you did. So, and the other two million is going to go to Mikey Anderson's deal, minimum, and, and more, and more, and that that two million isn't a savings. Yeah, it, it's, right. It's, so there's no. It's getting no eaten up right away, right away. Yeah. It, it's not like okay, now we can go get a five million dollar year player. No, you got to keep your player. You got to get a goalie, but you got to also take care of your guys. Yeah. 
So there's a lot of work to be done over the summer. And any time that you're a general manager and you want to be a capologist and you want to look ahead, you're not just looking at this summer. You're also looking two summers from now. Mm-hmm. What players potentially could become available as unrestricted free agents. What's going to happen with Andre Kopitar's next contract? He's actually getting closer to the end of that contract than he is at yeah. the beginning of that contract. You know, what are you going to do with Byfield? Are you going to keep him on wing for, let's just make up a number. Are you going to keep him on wing for three seasons before yeah. you ultimately move him to center? Or do you slot him in as a center next year? So there are so many pieces to this puzzle. It's not as simple as, oh, the Kings have a lot of prospects. Just trade Fagamo in a first-round pick and yeah. get Patrick Kane, and they'll be great. <laughs> right. Okay. No. not the, No. It's just it's not going to happen. It, it doesn't it, – they're not at that point, John. If, if you told me you could add one player and it puts them over, like chicken to Boston would put – probably – they might be over anyway. It, it just it, – they're, they're not the, at that point yet. They're still – and then you're right. They know where the holes are. It's obvious. And just you have to have your players develop. They have assets to use. You have to use them judiciously. And for the guys that say, "Oh, like uh, he was," they traded Fiala and then they paid Fiala. It's like, "Oh, we'll yeah. take a wait and see. We'll give you a bridge deal. We'll give you a one deal." It wasn't like that. It was very, very different. So um, there's work to be done. But I agree. I, I think the work, the heavy liftings in the summer, are not here by March third. I think they have a second round and a third round pick to play with, and mm-hmm. probably one prospect. So if you wanted to think in those terms, right, they, they probably have a B-level prospect. Um, so I'm not talking Turcotte or Byfield, right? I mean, just to put names to it, I'm talking more like a Kapari, maybe an Anderson Dolan. I'm not sure what the trade value is, you know, with those type of players. Kapari is at that point where his trade value has actually gone down. I think we've talked about this in the prod- yeah. podcast before, where you have kind of that first 18 months after a player is drafted mm-hmm. and their their value goes up. And Man. then... Right, and then, and then it goes, and, and then it goes down, right. and and then they, they have, have to prove it. it, and then their trade right. value goes back up, right? right? Sort of like the Kempe thing, right? His trade value yep. was high, and then his trade value was low, and now his trade value would be high. No, they're not trading Kempe, but um, I think they have a second, a third, and maybe a a, a second, a B prospect, right? Mm-hmm. So th- those are the three assets that they could potentially play with, and you have to see what that's ultimately going to return you. And if you're not going to get return on that type of a deal then you trade a fourth round pick and you get like a Troy Stetcher type yeah. left shot defenseman on, on an expiring yeah. contract as, as some backup in case something goes wrong with Edler or, you know, whatever. And you want to get a little yeah. bit more oomph into the lineup. Agreed. DB last question for you. Skills competition coming up tonight. A lot of crazy skills uh, will be displayed at the all-star game. Do you have mm-hmm. a favorite skills competition event that you, that you're looking forward to or that you care about? Yeah, the drinking skills after the skills competition. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a, but those those awards are not public, DB. I don't plan on no. tweeting out photos uh, of anybody not who tonight. wins that contest. No. So exactly. those are the those are the off the record stories. Maybe we'll save those it. and we'll talk about them on a podcast over the summer. <laughs> there you go, DB. It's been fantastic. Uh, let's go hit the beach, get some get some sun in before the skills competition tonight. The All Star game tomorrow. Big week ahead for the LA Kings. Dustin Brown, retirement night coming up on the 11th. Can't wait for it. Absolutely, Jay. It's going to be a great night. All right. There you go, everybody. Another Kings of the podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Let's go, cause we're not getting any younger.